you would please, we'll be looking in Job 33 tonight. Job 33. Starting in verse 19. So I'm going to read the passage for us. It's Job 33, verse 19 to 30. And then I'll pray, and then we'll start. Man is also rebuked with pain on his bed and with continual strife in his bones, so that his life loathes bread and his appetite the choicest food. His flesh is so wasted away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out. His soul draws near the pit and his life to those who bring death. If there be for him an angel, a mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him, and he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then man prays to God and he accepts him and sees his face with a shout of joy. And he restores man to his righteousness. He sings before men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, and it was not repaid to me. He has redeemed my soul from going down into the pit, and my life shall look upon the light. Behold, God does all these things twice, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be lighted with the light of life. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I praise you for your kind and good nature. I thank you for this opportunity to bring us together to hear your word, to reflect on it, to be encouraged by your gospel. So encourage us to love you more, to love each other more, and to find beauty in the way that you work in our lives. Amen. So, um, I know many of you might have thought when I said to turn to Job, you might be thinking, what Job? <laughs> That's some strange book to be preaching your first message from. <laughs> and I suppose it is kind of a strange choice. But I did, I'm in the process of doing, reading through the Bible in a year. I started it last summer. And I encountered Job uh, last December. And the poetry, the language, the images in Job just gripped my heart. They gave me ways to express things that I was feeling or things that I was encountering that I couldn't express any other way. And so Job is very special to me, and I'd like to use this opportunity to make it special to you, too. So the speaker in this passage that we're looking at right now is a man named Elihu. And pretty much at this point, he is trying to, he's speaking against Job. Job has said some things that upset Elihu, and Elihu is speaking against him. But that's not really the point. The point is, Elihu, what's special about him, is sometimes he speaks beyond what he actually knows. The words he says and the intention he has, the words he says don't actually, they go beyond what he was actually meaning. They speak to something more true, something deeper, something beyond what he was actually talking about. And that is what we're going to look at today. I think this passage is an excellent example and just a beautiful image of how God saves us. And so I'd like to just walk through it with you 
so that you can be encouraged and find beauty in it too. So, the first section is verses 19 through 22. And this is about, I, I called it the destitution of sin, or, or just how horrendous sin is. So we'll just take it a piece at a time. Man is also rebuked with pain on his bed and with continual strife in his bones. Continual strife in his bones. That's a horrendous image. <laughs> Can you imagine your bones just hurting? They're not broken. There's not a disease. They're not weak. They're just in pain. This, this happens to uh, a dear family member of mine. She has a neurological condition. And this is essentially what she experiences every day. Her bones aren't broken. There's nothing wrong with them. But they're in pain. And all she can do is, as it says here, rebuked with pain on his bed. Most days, all she can do is lie there and just sit through the pain. This is, this is an example of the horrendous effect of sin. Sin has completely destroyed the world. Physically, we have evil and pain and death and sickness that's often unexplained. But also spiritually, we're afflicted. We're lonely, greedy, hateful, spiteful. All these things bring pain upon ourselves too. So let's keep going. His life loathes bread and his appetite the choicest food. This is interesting because I think it shows that this person isn't just in pain. They also are neglecting the thing that could give them comfort. Sometimes if you're you're sick, um, well, when I was sick when I was a child, my comfort food that my mom would make for me was just plain rice with butter and salt. Oh, man. That that was such a great day. I would would feel awful. I'd be having all sorts of stomach issues, and I'd be on the couch, and my mom would bring me a bowl of butter rice with salt, and it just instantly made me feel better. But that's not the case with this man here. It says his his appetite despises, loathes the choicest food. He's neglecting even the things that could give him any comfort at all. That, that's what sin makes us do. We, we see what's good and we hate it. That's what we do. Addiction, this is, there's so many things like this. Many of us have, when we're sick, we don't want to eat anything. Many of us have warped stomachs, guts, appetites that cause pain and strife whenever you eat. Whenever you eat certain things. If you're lactose intolerant, for example. This is, this is a way to describe addiction, I think. Addiction, no matter the form, often warps a person's desires to the point that they no longer care about anything else, even bodily necessities such as food. This, this is the level of, of warpness, of evilness that sin has on our hearts. It destroys us. It gives us pain. It warps our desires. In our fallen nature, we cannot desire anything else but sin. We are stuck playing in mud, thinking that the mud will satisfy us We play with the filth of materialism, pride, selfishness, lust, gluttony, laziness, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, and self-righteousness. And we neglect the choicest fruit of the bread of life. Our true sustenance and source, the Lord. We neglect Him. And what is the result of all this disastrous work on our lives? In verse 21, His flesh is so wasted away that it cannot be seen. And his bones that were not seen stick out. His soul draws near the pit 
and is life to those who bring death. The pit is an interesting phrase. In the Old Testament, the pit is a place of horrific depth and darkness. It was often synonymous with death. Um, Sin causes our soul to draw near the pit. It's not just that sin causes us to experience pain and hardship and evilness in one spot. It draws us towards death, takes us away from life itself. And this is obviously a problem. So what can we do to fix it? This is the beauty, I think, of verse 23. If there be for him an angel and mediator, one of the thousand, to declare to man what is right for him. If, oh, if, if only, if only this man had someone that could redeem him, that could restore him from his awful position where he's in pain and near the pit, near death. If only there was someone to do that for him. If only there was someone to declare for him, deliver him from going down into the pits. I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. If only there was one to say that for us. Well, beloved, there is very good news. Because we, fortunately, are not in the position in time of Elihu. Elihu lived before the Lord Jesus and before the Apostle Paul. And our Apostle Paul, our brother, says for us in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That is our mediator. Jesus is holy, wrapped in light, like an angel appears to us. He is a mediator. He's one who intercedes between God and us and reconciles us. He is a choice, one of a thousand, the rarest of his kind, no one like him. He does declare to man what is right for him. He declares to us what is right for us which is himself, because he is the bread of life. He is our choicest food. But let's not stop here. It gets better. Let's continue in the passage. Um, not only does he deliver us, like it says in verse 24, let his flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. This is a lot like the imagery Paul uses somewhere else. We have lost the old man of sin, and we've been reborn in holiness. We are no longer close to the pit. We're reborn in righteousness. That is the image that I see here. And I hope you can see it too. I hope you can see its beauty. The other thing here, the key phrase for all of this is in 24. What is this mediator saying? How can he deliver us? This is wonderful news, but how can he do it? I have found a ransom. Once again, we turn to our brother Paul, who is in the future, who is able to look back on the scriptures with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and he says in 1 Timothy 2, we're going to continue that same sentence. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Beloved, our wonderful mediator is our ransom. He is the purchase and the price, the priest and the sacrifice. Please, just take a moment and relish in this wonderful truth. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could be redeemed, to bring you away from the pit, to take strife away from your bones, to reshape your desires so that you could desire choice food, 
He did all that by giving his life for you. That is just a beautiful, wonderful fact, I think. Now, I would love to see, this is a wonderful reality. This is a life-changing reality. Let's see, what would this do to our man in the story here? What does this do to someone? So in that, we look at verse 26. Then, so this has all happened to this man, then man prays to God and he accepts him. He sees his face with a shout of joy, and he restores to man his righteousness. For your sake, I'm not going to shout into the mic, but this is a real, from the gut, with all of your body, shout for joy. He has just won the infinite cosmic lottery. He is jubilant beyond description. But the key word, or one of the key things I see here, is he prays to God, so now man is restored to God. He looks to God. He's communicating with God. And God looks at him and accepts that man. Beloved, we are not rejected from God anymore in our sin. God accepts us. He takes us. That's what the whole purpose of Jesus was. To redeem us and cleanse us that we could be reconciled to the Father. It wasn't just to clear our, our sin credit card debt. And, and make us debt-free. No, it was to bring us back to a loving relationship so we could be accepted by God. I hope you recognize this and the beauty and, and wonderfulness of this. The next thing that this man does is something I find very special in verse 27. He sings before men. Sings. Do you, do you notice how often the Bible talks, or especially the Old Testament, talks about people singing? It's all over in the Psalms, but it's also present in the historical books, Kings, Nehemiah, um, here in Job, people singing because they're joyful. I'm not going to talk too long about this, but singing really is a blessing. I encourage you to sing often and to sing loud to the praise of your Lord. That is, a, that is a tool he has given to us to bless us and to enrich our souls. So I hope you take use of it. Now, the last thing I want to look at is this is a wonderful story. We see this man go from the depth and death of, of being near the pit and in pain all the way to the point where he is singing boldly and loudly to other people that they would know the Lord as well. Wonderful story. I hope we can all see that it's a picture of the gospel. But there's something interesting here at the end. Start in verse 29. Behold, God does all these things, all these wonderful things, twice, three times with a man. What? Well, hold on. If this was such a life-changing event, why does God have to do it multiple times? Now, I just want to clear my theological cards here. I don't think that this is referencing to the fact that he could lose his salvation or anything. But this is referencing, I think, the fact that often in our sin, we are not fully cleansed here on this earth. In our sinfulness, we still sometimes turn away from the choicest food and turn back to the pit. Oftentimes, we stumble and we fall. We decide to reject the Lord even though he has saved us and choose sin anyways. And that brings us right back to where 
we started almost. At the pit, in pain, with warped desires. But here is why I'm going to read the verses, actually. Behold, God does all these things, all these wonderful things. He does multiple times. He never tires of saving his people. He never tires of cleansing you from sin. He loves, listen to this, God loves saving sinners. He loves loving sinners. I hope you take joy in loving that. So God does all these things twice, three times with a man. Why would God do this? To bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be lighted with the light of life. Once again, God does not just desire your sin credit card debt to be cleared. He does not just desire you to be debt-free. He wants you to hate the pit and to love the light of life, which is in him himself. So, if you are a weary pilgrim, if, or if you're, if you're not a Christian, I hope you heard the gospel today and that you would choose to trust in our wonderful Lord and mediator, Jesus Christ. But if you are a Christian, if you're a weary pilgrim, if you're someone who's struggled with life, who's fought against the heat of the desert of life while we wait for the return of recreation, the, the renewal of all things, if you're waiting for that and you still struggle, take comfort in this. God does all these things twice, three times with a man. He continues to love you. So run to him. Abandon whatever thoughts you have that bring, might bring you into self-pity or self-hatred or whatever. Go to the Lord because he loves you. And he longs to bring you away from the pit and back to the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so, so much. We thank you for the gift of your word, expressing in such beautiful language the image of what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you bless the people here, that you would bring us from the pit and back to the light of life, and that we would continue to reject and hate the pit and accept and love you and love you all our days. Amen.